Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 81. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier on in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at BGerman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, welcome back. How's it going? Hey, thanks, John. Back from vacation. Uh, had to come back to work, you know, but it's all good. We're both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across the disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. All right, Nick. Great. Hey, uh, so this week we are putting out part two of two um, with our interview with Manny Sidhu. I would just say that if you haven't listened to part one, it's super worthwhile to go back and listen to it. Manny had a lot to say about the role of certifications in his career and and how education and, and seeking out that knowledge really helped him out. I thought that it was a very interesting perspective. You know, he's really enthusiastic about those certifications. So again, if you haven't listened to it, worth going back for a listen. Yeah, most definitely. Well, I have to say, John, I really love sequels and I always want to see if the, the sequel is better than the original. I think in this case, it's just as good, if not better. I, I really enjoyed what Manny had to say about how he dives in and enjoys being interviewed and the experience that gives him and that it doesn't doesn't actually make him that nervous. I, I think that's kind of an, an abnormal thing for uh, for the people I know, at least. He, he seems to have a, a leg up on a lot of people by being at ease when going into an interview. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, too. And um, I'm just really glad that that's what you meant by SQL. I thought you were going to make a database joke there. But anyway, I'm glad that Select didn't happen. star from... Oh, jeez! Can't believe this is happening. We're All right, let's let's not equal one. Let's 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 get to the interview. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's the the two effects, right? One is the thinking about the possible questions that could come up. So, you know, wanting to prepare for that. And then the experience of being asked a question that's maybe a little bit outside of what you prepared for, right? So on the fly, you have to think and analyze, understand what the person is asking about, and then adjust your thinking, expand your understanding, and then explain what it is that you come up with. And that's that's a very parallel process or analogous process to what you have to do in a job interview. 100%. So maybe we can jump into that a little bit. Um, you know, one of the things that we wanted to bring you on and talk about was this post that you had on LinkedIn, which where you said, you know, I really love being interviewed. And, and what that indicated to me was that, you know, it was almost like a moment of realization. Maybe that was me reading a little bit too much into it, but you know, this 
understanding of uh, personal growth, right? Where you didn't originally like being interviewed and going through that process and then came to the realization that now you love it and, and it's something that, you know, you relish. So could you, am I right about that? Is, can you t- tell us about that process? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think I've relished the opportunity to be interviewed almost all the time. So I've always thrived on challenges and difficult situations. Uh, so these pressure situations actually try to bring the best out of me. And I'm the kind of guy that tries to, or that likes presenting or li- or enjoys being able to present my case in front of complete, complete strangers in order to convince them to give me a job. And even my wife, my, uh, my wife tells me that I would make a great salesman and I should have been in real estate instead of IT. And I would have done much better and we would have, been, we, we should, we would have had a Ferrari in the, in the garage instead of a Highlander. And she's like, okay, maybe, but you know, this is where we are. That's not too late to get into systems engineering. (laughs) Technical sales, right? um, Can you tell us about, you know, the first time or early on, you know, your perceptions of that when you realized, oh, this is something I'm uncomfortable with and something I don't like. And then that process of growth. I don't understand the question. Sorry, John. Yeah, no worries. Um, did you always love being interviewed? Yeah, I was. Uh, I think a lot of people in IT are introverts. Uh, that's my opinion, and that's what I've seen at least. So people are like, oh, I don't want to be interviewed. And I think people that have been in a, in a company for 10, 15, 20 years have never been interviewed, so they might be a little bit wary of being interviewed. But I, I, I bounced around jobs a fair bit. So that's not to say that I don't, I don't last in a company for more than a couple of years, but I've, I've done that. So, you know, I just have had this uh, ability to be able to, to talk to strangers and and tell them how I would make a great fit into the culture that they have and and help them solve the problem that they're facing. Did you ever get the same butterflies in an interview that you got when you were giving those presentations at user conferences? Not great, great question. So I think I get more butterflies when I'm speaking publicly. I don't get butterflies at all when I'm being interviewed. I just I'm I'm pretty chill when it comes to being interviewed, but presenting in front of you know a couple hundred, couple uh, three hundred people that's a lot. That's a different ball game, and I think that does give me butterflies. It still does. Yeah, I can't blame you there. See, when I read his post, John, what I read was, "Please, someone invite me on a podcast," and that's what <laughs> I did. <laughs> Too funny. That yeah. There is that aspect to it, too. Yeah. <laughs> so ever since I uh, put that post out, I think I've helped about 15, 20 people since then, you know, land interviews or do better at an interview. And a couple of them actually got a job, so they, you know, thanked me on LinkedIn. So I think that was pretty cool. So you know, me taking five minutes of my time to put that post out, helping, which helped a couple of people get a job, was, was pretty fascinating. Have you seen any uh, patterns um, as a result of you know, the various people who have gotten in touch with you? Yeah, no, absolutely. So great question that too. So I think a lot of people that reach out um, are not well prepared for an interview and they want to have, they want to, you know, gain some tips on how to excel in an interview or how to be well prepared. So yeah, so a lot of people have reached out and told me that. So there's a pattern, definitely. What would you say is a good process for someone to follow kind of in general, to thoroughly prepare for an interview? Yeah, I think uh, I've interviewed a lot of people myself. And I think one of the key points, and I think one of the biggest points is that you need to know your resume inside out. 
that might sound pretty obvious but if you put something on your if you put something on your resume and then and you don't know enough about it uh, that might be that might be a reason for the interviewer to think that you may not have done that thing in real life so I think you got to be really clear on what you've done in your resume and you got to know what you did basically and I think some of the other points that I had was you know you got to make sure that you've got to research the company the role any interviews maybe you know look up some news articles about the company you know, maybe they've merged maybe someone's bought them out or maybe they bought a company maybe they've hired a new CTO or a new CIO or any other C-level person and I think a lot of people struggle with the with the inability to make things stand out in their resume so you got to make sure that your resume sort of gets your highlights and your achievements to pop so when I say that I don't mean that you put those bits in neon orange or you know have flickering lights in there but you got to have a subsection within each job that you've done that shows off your accomplishments. So when you rock up in an interview, they actually know that you've done all these things and they ask you these questions, these probing questions, and you answer them to the best of your ability and hopefully land a job. And, you know, someone else that reached out to me also said to me that they found that they rambled on and on when they were asked a question. So I suggested to the person that you've got to make sure that your answers are sharp and concise. The rambling is to your detriment. So you, know, you try and use those punchlines that you know that you did something that resulted in you know improved user experience or increased the ROI or it cut down on costs by say 20%. Things like that. Things that normal people would, would easily latch onto. Yeah, the measurability exactly. of the impact of the thing that you're talking about. Exactly. And I just recalled, and someone said, "What if I don't know the answer to the question that an interview is asked?" said you know if that happens you you just be upfront don't try and uh, you know beat about the bush and say clearly that you're not 100% certain of the answer but this is where you go to find the answer and i'm sure that the interview on the other side will appreciate the honesty and if if they don't appreciate the honesty i don't think you want to work with them in the first place yeah that's a good point i remember when we interviewed mike burkhart several episodes ago he said that he had trouble because his resume was too business focused and because of that, they didn't think that he was technical enough for some of the roles. And I'm just curious, what's your advice on highlighting the right accomplishments for the role you're applying to? Yeah. So, yeah, I believe that you've got to tailor your resume to almost every job that you apply for. So if there's a job that says that has a title of, say, a business architect for that matter, so you, then you have to have a resume that, you know, talks about the business angle of things. So, you know, ROI, you know, TCO, all that, you know, the budget and the tenders and the RFP processes and all those processes, all that good stuff. So that's where you put in those kinds of things. So that's the kind of thing that needs to pop when you are interviewing for that kind of position. But if it's a more technical position, so you've got to put, you know, put in things that uh, say, you know, you implemented this, you architected that, you know, and this is how you improve user experience and this is how you cut down on latency by this, this by, by say 20% or whatever it was so you got, you got to make sure that you tell your resume to every kind of job that you apply for that makes sense so that's interesting you're you're saying not just have a measurable impact on your resume for each of the skills that you're you're demonstrating there but um, emphasize the ones that are more in aligned to the job that you're applying for so if you're applying for like as you said like a like a more business, um, you know, analyst or architecture type position, then something like, you know, an implement, like a technical implementation, um, 
you know, that, you know, oh, I did this thing that cut down on implementation time by, you know, by six weeks. Well, maybe that's not as relevant unless you can put that in the business um, exactly. architecture terms, right? Exactly. I think you ought to just spin things the right way, the, the exact way that the interviewer wants to hear. So instead of saying that you implemented this solution, you if, if you are uh, interviewing for a business position, then you say that you improved, say, user experience or you or you reduce spend by this this much percent. So that's you just got to skin the cat differently. That's what I was trying to get at. What's fascinating about that is that um, most companies in their job listings will tell you those things that they're looking for, right? And a lot of people seem to don't take the time to read that. Like they, they maybe look at the title of the thing that they're um, applying for and then skim like some of the skills and go, okay, I, I will apply for this, you know, but they don't do the deep read, you know, that take additional five minutes or 10 minutes to, to really understand what's being asked for in the, in the job description, you know, before applying and before starting to edit the resume. And that just blows me away. Like I, you know, but, but maybe it's just a skill that people don't have because they don't apply for jobs that often. <laughs> exactly. I think it's just one of those, it's one of those things that you actually pick up, you know, as you progress in your career and you know, you, you tailor your resume as needed. So the first thing is that in order to be actually being called in for an interview, you got to make sure that you pass the HR filter. So if you don't put in those keywords that they're looking for, you're not going to get called in the first place. So that's the main reason why you should actually read a job description properly and make sure that you have most of those keywords that they've mentioned. And, you know, that way you clear the HR filter and then someone's going to actually call you and say, you know, give you, run you through a telephone screen and then actually call you in for an in-person interview or a virtual interview these days. And that's probably even more important during this time with many people potentially unemployed because their business shut down due to COVID. Yeah. Yeah. When you're competing with a lot of people for the same position, you know, then you have to put even more time yeah. into, uh, uh, I was talking to a recruiter the other day and he says, and I think it makes sense. And he said, maybe, maybe create a video of yourself. Not doing funny stuff, you know, about, you know, trying to sell yourself in the best possible way, you know, highlighting your skills, like a 60 minute video. That's not 60 minutes, sorry, 60 second video. Maybe a TikTok video for, for that matter. And he said, you know, people that people that I've been doing that have actually tried to stand out and they have stood out and, you know, they've been called, called in for interviews, yes. Times have changed. And I don't think TikTok's a bad thing these days when it comes to trying to sell yourself in 60 seconds. Well, it's a constraint and... And as a result, like it forces you to, to really select the things that you find most important, right? That you want to get across. So, yeah, that filter function, right? Uh, well, if I only have 60 seconds, here's the things that I'm talking about. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're, um, it's a forced elevator pitch, right? The, uh, if you have the 60 seconds to talk about yourself, then here's the things that are most important. And that's yeah. different for every position. And different for different positions at different companies, right? For sure. What's your take, Manny, on whether interviews for people in highly technical fields are more challenging than those in less technical fields? Yeah, I think personally, I don't think there would be a difference in the two uh, when it comes to 
the actual job itself. So I reckon it comes down to your personality and your preparedness when you're in front of interviews. So it might be difficult for people who've been in the same company for a long, long time, but for everyone else, I think it's it's about the same thing. And you know, people might be different when it comes to interviewing, or maybe people have had uh, people have had their interviewing skills go rusty because they have been at a, at the same company forever. So I think it just depends on a person to person, and uh, yeah, I don't think it matters when it whether you're in a highly skilled position or whether you're you know, in a lower skilled position. Personally, that's my opinion at least. It's funny, like every job has its technical skills, right? They just, whether it's judged as technical is sometimes it's an outside judgment and not an inside, you know, <laughs> um, if you, I don't know, I, you know, sometimes I've talked to like, okay, here's a, an example. I've talked to people who are business development reps. So in technical sales, it might be somebody who's just a little bit more focused on um, outbound kind of campaigns to call into a company to try to to get an initial um, telephone meeting to say, hey, you know, do you want to buy our product, right? And the skills to do that are very, very different from like maybe um, like a face-to-face -face technical sales rep who um, is dealing with a customer that they have a relationship with and the company already has a relationship with. And so the those two jobs like they have very different skills and and the skills that the the business development rep has like like i was talking to this rep and and he said oh i have to do this i have to be able to do this i have to be able to do this and i was like oh wow that's way more like inside it's like job domain very technical and you know a lot of those skills i just don't have <laughs> so if i you know the the idea of skills inside a job, I think, are sometimes subjective or overlooked. Yeah, great point, Seth, John. What about on, uh, on the interviewer side? So if you're interviewing someone, which I'm, I imagine you've probably done before, um, what are some ways that you can show you're engaged, help the candidate feel at ease, and show them that you're paying attention? Yeah, I think uh, one of the key points is that you keep the interview uh, flowing. When I say that, I mean that you keep it two-way instead of ha instead of bombarding the candidate with questions. I've had that happen to me myself too. So I keep it two-way. I keep it kind of uh, open-ended. So it's just best to. Uh, you know, open up the stage, so to say, to the candidate and ask them, you know, uh, what to think of a particular technology or the use case for that technology instead of asking them about a particular setting in a, you know, VMware VM or an AWS database, for example. I think, you know, it's best to keep it open and and that's what I've uh, found that you actually get to ask those probing questions to candidates when you actually open it up and instead of having a closed conversation with them. And I've seen a lot of people uh, say, use the word, we did this or we did that. It's just best to use the words, I did this, I did that. So the the, the hiring manager wants to hear things that you did, not the, not what your team did. And it may, may, it may just be a matter of habit, but I've seen that happen a lot of times. And I've actually told people, please don't do this. Uh, you tell me what you have done and what you've achieved and how you bring value to this job and not tell me about the team that you're part of. And I like the fact that you know a lot of people interview, uh, not interview, a lot of, a lot of, I like the fact that a lot of people 
research uh, the company that I, that is hiring so it, it just shows that you have done your homework and you're not being lazy and you know what you you know what you're here there for yeah that could be a definite differentiator I hadn't even really thought about that yeah. I think a lot of people uh, when they rock up at interviews they they're not clear about the main selling points so a lot of people just say, "Oh, I'm going to learn. This is this, this is how this is how I did WSS updates for a company a long time ago, or this is how I did SMS or whatever it was back then." I think your the the time that you spend in front of an interviewer is is the time that you need to spend wisely, because those 60 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever the time frame is is actually your, your opportunity to to sell yourself or to sell your skills in the best possible manner. So you know you should clarify things like. The ability that ability that you have to get the job done, and how you handle pressure, or how you handle a difficult situation, and being able, and, you know, it's best to show that ability that to that you have to learn and adapt quickly. Would you say that there are any specific uh, lessons that you can think of that you learned about being interviewed from yeah. doing interviews? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's oftentimes when when you are interviewed, um, you know you should be ready to address the concerns or reservations that the other uh, the other that the other guy might have about the, about you being fit for the job. So you you should try and make compelling arguments by telling them how you would ace the job despite you not doing everything that they're looking for. So you got to make sure that you know where to look for things. So and I think in IT, ninety percent of your job is knowing how to Google. So don't say that to 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 an interviewer, but you know just try and demonstrate that by this is how you would find something if you don't know the answer to something and you know you should line your own questions up for the interviewer and you you know keep a mental note of things that they've already told you so you don't ask them again and you're trying to if you do you don't make them repeat themselves another big thing that I've always wanted to tell people is that I personally believe that that you need to score a success in the first five minutes of an interview you know I believe that the human brain has this reward system even if even if subconscious, even if you don't want to agree with it, but you have this reward system that gets activated earlier on than later. So it's very similar to when you're watching a good action movie, for example. So if you create a, if you see a great, uh, fantastic opening scene, and, and your brain gets blown, and you are you actually get you actually sit up, and your brain gets activated with more receptors, in anticipation of of the good stuff coming in later on. So my point is that you got to make a good opening. It's not to say it's to say that you you know read off great speech, but my point is that you. Stand, uh, stand out in the first five minutes. I really like that. So it sounds like that's something that you maybe experienced while interviewing somebody, like they, they hooked you early. Yeah, exactly. And nice. uh, one, another thing that I've noticed is that, you know, uh, people don't like people that complain about past jobs or past managers or past coworkers. So you gotta, you, you're there to highlight the positives and you don't talk about the negatives you may have experienced unless those negatives were the reason why you left the job very quickly. Even then, you know, you keep it mild and you keep it concise and keep it minimal. So never come across as a complainer or a whiner. Now, how do you feel about someone taking notes in the interview? So if I'm being interviewed, is it okay for me to take notes and write down important things or questions I think of? Yeah, great. So I think a lot of people would have different opinions about that. I personally think there's no need to do that. You know, you know, um, you know if if there's something that you really, really have to take note of, you know, you should, and you just tell the interviewer upfront that you're going to do this, and you say, oh, this is a great point. I'm actually going to make a note of that, and said, okay, you know, it might come across as a little bit 
uh, what's the right word? Might come across a little bit, you know, textbooky. I don't know. I can't, I can't fish for the right word right now, but you know, might come across a little bit sus in my opinion. I Academic. wouldn't recommend doing that. Yeah. And I, I was a long time ago. I was uh, getting ready for an interview, and the recruiter told me, "So, are you prepared?" I said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm prepared." And she asked me, "How are you prepared?" I said, "This is this, this is this, uh, all the stuff that I'm gonna do." And she said, "Are you gonna take any notes uh, with you?" I said, "I'm gonna have a note, uh, my notebook open in front of me, which is, will be inside of a portfolio, and you know, I will read off uh, those things so I don't miss anything." And she said, "Try not to do that." And I asked her why, and she says, uh, it's just best to be prepared so that uh, in your brain, instead of having to read something off a piece of paper, because it just shows more preparedness. So I think opinions will differ when it comes to uh, to that aspect, but I personally believe that you shouldn't be writing anything. Or yeah, That's just my opinion. I suppose it depends on the style of, of interview. and uh... Exactly. Like I, I know that you know for some software engineering jobs, they're they're asking you to actually come up with, uh, uh, you know, solutions and and uh, to to you know fairly complex problems. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So going back to your point, John, you asked me a question just you know a couple of minutes ago. Is the one one thing that I might want to mention to people is the is body language. So when you're in in, in that interviewing room you have to give that the positive body language. So you, you shouldn't crossing you shouldn't be crossing your arms. You, you, know, you don't fidget, right? You don't let your eyes wander, and look at the uh, make eye contact with the interviewer. You know, listen carefully, and try not to get them to repeat themselves, or and try not to repeat yourself. And you know, I would also highly recommend that you don't empty a bottle of perfume on yourself. You don't want the interviewer to pass out before um, before the actually after the interview starts because you're wearing a very strong perfume. So those, those are some of the things that you know I've seen people do. So there was this uh, lady that came in for an interview a long time ago, and she was wearing this very strong perfume. We almost passed out from it, from the smell. It was great smell, but you know, still. I think what people don't remember is that you know perfume or cologne. Like I, I had a very similar thing happen. A gentleman came in and he was wearing like a fairly you know nice mild cologne, but then you know when you're in a, a stressful situation, you tend to perspire more. And perspiration activates those those scents, like so. Um, staying a little bit more neutral is probably better. Yeah, more conservative. So yeah. smell good, but not too good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what about... I also think. It, oh, go ahead. I also think it's a good idea to send uh, someone a uh, the interview a a short thank you email for the time on the same day as the interview, or maybe you know the first hour the next day, and try to keep it short and sweet. And just tell them that you had a, you know, this is how you think that the that the company's values and the job itself lined up with what you're looking for. I've had uh, a couple of people tell me a long time ago that uh, they were pleased when they received the email, and you know, the email was one of the reasons why I clinched the job. That might be a good idea. I would say it's a great idea okay. because I'm pretty <laughs> sure that I did something similar, and that's how I got a job too. Yeah, yep. there you go then. Yeah, that it's interesting how just simple follow-ups, you know, that demonstrate that you were listening to the person and some things that you maybe took away from the interview, um, you know, that demonstration of, hey, I was listening to you, here's what I heard you say, and here was what it prompted in my mind, and here's what I'm telling you that I got out from it, like that kind of um, 
makes you maybe persist a little bit in the interviewer's mind as well. Exactly. How about um, this process of being a consultant? Um, because a consultant, you know, is going from organization to organization um, a lot of times. And sometimes if you're an independent consultant, you're, you're going out and getting your own work, right? So it's almost like being interviewed for a new job over and over again. Absolutely. That's exactly how it is. So, you know, when I rock up uh, at any potential customer, I have that feeling of being interviewed and that's the whole point of it. So you're trying to tell them how you would solve a problem for them and how you would, you know, translate a technical solution to a business requirement that they have. Makes absolute sense to me. Yeah. So maybe if you uh, are thinking about moving jobs, then one of the things that you could do within an organization is to try to move internally in an into part of an organization where you're approaching new customers or, or, or new outside partners to, uh, to engage because then you're getting practice in interviewing uh, while you're working for the company. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm curious about remote interview tips, Manny. Yep. You know, some people are doing a lot of those lately. Do you have any special tips for that scenario? Yeah, I think, you know, you got to, you still make sure that you dress sharply. Make sure you still wear a suit. You know, maybe if it's too hot for a suit, maybe, you know, a shirt and a, you know, maybe a, not, maybe a tie if that's, if that's what, if that's your thing. And maybe the interview expects that to happen. Uh, you still may, you make sure that you, you you clear your environment where you're sitting. So you know, keep everything professional. You know, make sure you you know you look well groomed. Make sure you you know if you make sure you shave that that kind of thing. You still make make sure that you sell yourself uh, as best as you can. And you know, I guess I'm I have sure to get rid of my Corona beard then. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing a lot. Um, I, I've done. I guess two interviews in the past two weeks um, uh, that that have been remote. You know, Google usually does them on site, um, but uh, you know, with Corona, it's uh, nobody's on site anymore, <laughs> and uh, uh, just uh, distracting backgrounds that, that can yeah. be a thing. I, like both times, the people that I interviewed had very nice, clean background offices. And it helped to not have to think about that at all, you know, as opposed to me. I have kind of a cluttered background, so. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that the, that the person on the other side would appreciate the fact that you're at home and, you know, your kids might pop in or the dog might come in or stuff like that. So, you know, you still got to try and make sure that, you know, you keep distractions to a minimum, like you just said. Absolutely. Yeah, as... As we come close to wrapping here, Manny, I know you have to go soon. Just a couple more points. What would you say was the best career advice you've ever been given? Yeah, I think uh, the best thing, uh, the best advice that I've ever been given is that uh, you you give the market what it needs. When I say that, I mean to say that uh, you keep evolving with the market and you don't stagnate. So it's okay to take your foot off the pedal for some time so you can recharge and rejuvenate. But you need to keep moving and you need to keep stretching yourself. The human brain, I believe, works best when it's challenged. 
So you know, once again, so my, my point is that you you need, you need to keep uh, adjusting as the market changes. So you know, for for example, now it's everything is about the hardware cloud and and security in the hardware cloud. So I think those are the two spaces that you you know should be trying to get yourself into. So my point is that you just keep evolving at all times and don't stagnate. And you know, once and do your certifications. <laughs> I'm big of on course. certifications. I'm a big advocate yeah. of them. Uh, they're definitely great to learn. So how do you manage to do decide what's next for you in your career? Yeah, well, yeah, so, you know, back to my point about, you know, trying to give the market what it needs. So I keep myself uh, abreast of changes by, you know, by keeping a pulse on Twitter. Uh, I follow the right people. I don't follow, you know, any celebrities or whatever. I just follow the right people in my line of work. You know, I, I subscribe to these a couple of magazines and you know, just keep a pulse on the on the market in general and you know once again you, you keep evolving you don't stagnate and you keep making changes so you know you serve the market as well as it needs awesome manny anything else before we let you go here i think you know this is this should be it and i think i, I had a great time and enjoy talking to you guys and and this is one of those uh, opportunities where i can give back to the community even more so thanks for having me really appreciate your time manny Thanks a lot for joining us on the Nerd Journey podcast. Thanks, guys. Is there is there a place people can reach out to you, Manny, if they want to learn more or chat with you? Yeah, Twitter. Yes, absolutely. So my handle is Manny Sudo Two. So you can reach out to me at any time. You know, absolutely. I'm also on the V Expert Slack. Sorry, I forgot about that. And yeah, that's another way to get in touch with people. Right, and we'll put a link to the V Expert directory so folks can find you there too. Perfect. Okay. Well, thanks very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks very much, guys. Nick, I really liked Manny's practical advice that he gave about going to an interview, things like perfume and body language and sending, you know, thank you notes. It was just really good down to earth practical advice. Absolutely. And the part about knowing your resume inside out, because you can't possibly list every detail about something you've done on your resume, but you can highlight it in a way that it's valuable based on the job description and then elaborate it on it in the interview with the person who wants to know more about it. Absolutely. Coming prepared for that. Just, just that I thought was like a great little nugget. Well, um, anything else before we get out of here? One thing I wanted to highlight is, is he mentioned that, you know, he is a consultant and part of him meeting a new customer is interviewing they're interviewing him he's interviewing them you know if you're working in internal it you're kind of interviewing an end user or someone else at the company about a problem they're having that's that's how i thought of it yeah anything can be an interview like where you're probing for a good fit to see if like you you you're you're, you're understanding the, the status of the person coming in, 
um, knowing if you have the right fit for them, that kind of thing. It's a really good observation. Yeah. And then the part about the recruiter that advised him to record a 60 second video to sell yourself and your skills. That's one I hadn't heard that maybe we should all think a little bit more about as the market gets competitive. Yeah. It's the classic elevator pitch, right? But you don't have three minutes. You have one minute. So how is it that you describe yourself? Yeah. I describe myself as ready to get out of here. So one minute to close it out, right? <laughs> one minute to close it out. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at Nerd Journey, and that is the place that you can tweet to to sign up for the John White School of Mentoring. Pricing and packaging to come. Needed that within the 30-second mark, or 60-second mark, excuse me. <laughs> nice. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at B Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore signing off. Adios. Adios.